0: Acts chapter 20, verse 26. It says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Paul said, I'm pure from the blood of all men. Now when Paul said this here, he's not talking about, you know, I've never killed anybody because the truth is, Paul, um, he was responsible for the death of Christians. Paul persecuted the church. But Paul makes a statement. He says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. And this isn't he's not saying that because, well, God saved him and he cleansed him from all those things. What Paul's talking about here is when he says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. It really, I guess, to understand what exactly he was talking about. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah. I want to show you a few verses. And I really want to I want us to think about something that's very uh, very serious. Something that we need to uh, really think about as Christians. But Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6 says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. So I've set watchmen on my walls. They're not supposed to be quiet. And I believe that as Christians today, as God's people, that we are watchmen. We are responsible to open our mouths and give the Gospel to every creature, to tell the world about salvation, to tell the world about a place called hell, to tell the world about God's judgment. About On Wednesdays, we've been talking about Armageddon this last Wednesday. We need to warn the world about that. The judgment is coming. And I'm not saying we gotta be like these crazy people you always see in the movies running around the city holding the signs saying, you know, repent. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But we are watchmen. We are, uh, we should not be silent when it comes to the things of God. And then another verse, and you don't have to turn there, but Ezekiel 33. Well, go ahead and turn over there. Ezekiel 33, this is a little longer passage. This is also talking about watchmen. And I tell you, uh, and the Lord is very clear in this passage about the responsibility of the watchman. But it says in verse 1, "...again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people." That was very common practice back then. You know, their cities, they were usually walled because you never knew who was going to be coming. Thank the Lord, we live in a country where we don't have walls around our cities. Um, and, and, you know, in America today, we don't have to, uh, you know, we're a country where, uh, we need to build, you know, we, they talk about building fences to keep people out, not to keep them in. You might remember the way it was over in Germany years ago, they had that Berlin wall there. It wasn't to keep people out of their country, it was to keep them in, because everybody wanted out of there. But back in the Bible days, things weren't safe and a lot of times they had to worry about armies coming. So they had guys every night, they'd be out there on the wall and they're walking around and they're watching and if they would see the enemies coming, they'd blow the trumpet. It would wake the town up and the men would uh, grab their weapons and they would, they would gather and they would prepare to defend themselves. And so the responsibility of the watchman was very important because many times when the uh, enemies would come, it would be at night. It would be when nobody was expecting them. They wanted to get as close to them as they could, and they wanted to try to surprise them. Get them while they weren't ready. And so it was a very important job. So it says he blow the trumpet or warn the people. Then in verse 4, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So he said, if a person hears the trumpet... And they ignore it. And they die, or they're taken captive. It's their own fault. Their blood is on themselves. They refused to listen. They ignore the warning. It says, He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood should be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet... And the people be not warned that the sword come and take any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. A watchman, if they had that job and they saw somebody coming and they didn't blow the trumpet and many people, may maybe they died as a result of that, they would take that watchman and he would be put to death as if he was the one who killed those people. Because he was responsible. He was the one that was supposed to be watching and supposed to be warning people and he didn't do it. And then verse 7 says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Right here, God says I'm not just talking here about warning people against the physical army. He said I'm talking about warning them about their wicked ways. He says it's your responsibility, talking to Ezekiel, to warn them. And if you don't warn them, you are responsible. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, He shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. God said, if, if they don't listen to you, it's not your fault. You'll be okay, but you will have done your part. And you know the sad thing is, when you if you read the first couple chapters of Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, I want you to go, and I want you to warn the children of Israel. But understand, God tells them this they're not going to listen to you. They're stubborn, they're stiff necked. And God basically told Ezekiel, hey, this is the ministry I've called you to. Go warn the children of Israel and nobody's going to listen to you. (laughs) But he had to do it. You know why? Because God is just. God is going to make sure. You know, I I tell you, it would have been been tough if God was, you know, if God, and He doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen, but if God would have told me, hey, I want you to go to Rock Falls. I want you to start a church. I want you to preach. But understand, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to get saved. Nobody's going to come. Whoa, wait. That'd be a tough job. That'd be a tough job. So I want you to go out. I want you to knock doors. I want you to try to witness people. But you're never going to get one convert. That'd be tough. And you know, there have been missionaries who've gone and they've served in foreign countries for years. There's been pastors that have gone and tried starting churches and they just couldn't get anybody. But understand, if they did what God told them to do, if they went out, if they knocked on doors, if they went out and they proclaimed the Gospel, God, uh, they're okay. God's not going to look at that pastor when he gets to heaven and say, you know what, you never got anybody to come to your church. You know what? No rewards for you. You know what he's going to look? He's going to look and see. Hey, were you faithful? Did you do what I told you to do? Yeah, you. Yeah, you warned the people. All those people that from your town that are going to hell, understand their bloods. Not none of their bloods on your hands. But there's going to be many other pastors who they're going to stand before God, and they and they maybe they had big crowds. They had all kinds of people coming to their church, but they didn't tell the people the truth. They just told them things that made them feel good. And they're going to have many of their church members one day go and be cast into a lake of fire and their blood is going to be on their hands. What a horrible shame that would be. I tell you, I want people to come to our church. I do. But more than that, I want to make sure that the people that come to our church know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want to make sure that there's been a time where I've went to them and I've got their testimony from them. And i know all of you in here i've talked to you about when you've gotten saved i've done with many other people in the church many that have gotten saved that's kind of how i was able to lead them i asked them about it and some of them didn't have a testimony and then i was able to go through the gospel with them and they were able to get saved that happened just yesterday and we saw we were able to see two people get saved i but i had to ask them i had to go to them because you know they I mean, dear folks, great people. They've been coming to our church for months now. I wanted to make sure because it's my responsibility as a watchman to make sure I tell them, and I want, I want it ought to be the goal of all of us when the day comes where we stand before God, where we can say, "I'm pure from the blood of all men. I've done my part to warn people." So, what does? a watchman need to do? What does God expect? Well, Paul, he kind of outlines the sports here after he says, I'm pure for the blood of all men. He says in verse 27 of Acts chapter 20, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know what we need to do? We need to tell people the whole truth of the Word of God. You know, let's just be honest here. Folks here tonight, I think you all are spiritually mature enough to handle this. There's some stuff in the Bible that's not real fun and pleasant to a lot of people. Stuff that most people don't want to hear about. Some stuff that a lot of pastors don't want to talk about. You know, We have a responsibility to share the whole counsel of God. You know what that means? That means we need to talk about hell. We do. We need to talk about a real, literal, burning hell that sinners will go to if they do not receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. We've got to talk about that. It's not pleasant. But we've got to do it. That means we've got, to talk about, we've got to talk about things like separation. We need to talk about stuff like that. We've got to speak out against sin. Some sins that maybe are pleasurable for a season that people really like. We've got to do it. So we're not, we can't just skip over things and act like it's okay. We have a responsibility to tell people the whole truth about the Word of God. So it breaks my heart to... Be talk, I'll be talking to people sometimes maybe out visiting and they, you find out they go to you know they go to a church and their lifestyle that they're living is just wicked and many times you'll talk to these people and maybe you'll bring up certain things or maybe they'll start visiting the church and I'll go and I'll I'll start preaching maybe on a, a sin that I thought everybody knew was wrong and these people look at you like what are you talking about? I've never heard, you know, what kind of preaching is this? I've never heard anything like that before. I've gone to church all my life and never heard anything like that. And I'm thinking, what? You haven't gone to my kind of church. <laughs> you hear this stuff all the time. It's like, what's your pastor been teaching you over there? And it's like some churches, they don't get any deeper than just the love of God. That's all they talk about. We Listen, and we need to talk about the love of God, but we also need to talk about the wrath of God. Because it's real. We need to talk about that. And many churches are ignoring those things. And I tell you, it's a sad thing. We're supposed to be watchmen. We need to talk about those things. Another thing we need to do is we need to prepare people for future challenges. Verse 28 says, "...take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this..." that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn, every one night and day with tears. You know what Paul said? He, he's like, I warned you folks, for three years I was crying and just trying to prepare you that there's going to be some challenges come up. There's going to be some bad people that are coming to the church. I've tried to do that in this church. I try to uh, you know, kind of mentally prepare people, I guess, for some of the things that are going to happen. We're going to have some troublemakers that are going to come through this church. We're going to have people come through here. I mean, they're going to act like all oh, wonderful. They're going to act like they love you. and they're just, And then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, they're going to stab you in the back. That happens in churches all the time. Paul warned people about it. It was going on in his day. It's still going on today. If you're trying to do right, if you're trying to live for God, the devil's going to throw challenges in your way. He's going to throw obstacles for you. I mean, there's going to be hard times that are going to come, and we have to warn people about that. Well, you listen to some of these TV preachers sometimes... You think that all you have to do is get saved and everything's going to be wonderful? I mean, you're going to be running through, you know, a field of flowers all your life, never have to worry about a thing again. You know, all the, you're going to have all the money in the world. I mean, just never have to worry again. No, it's not like that. The Christian life—it's it a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield, and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we we do we face hard times when it's different because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have God that will help us through those things. But there are going to be bad times that come. Anytime somebody gets saved, I always warn them, hey, listen, you know what? The devil's going to start really hitting you with some temptations now. He just lost your soul. And he's not very happy about it. And he's going to try to destroy your testimony because he doesn't want you bringing anybody to heaven with him. I, like, I try to warn people, especially too after people get baptized seems like that after that, boy, that just really upsets the devil. He doesn't want you joining the church. He doesn't want you getting involved. in He doesn't want you taking that first step of obedience. You take that first step of obedience, you just might take that next step of obedience. And the more obedient you are, the more effective you're going to be for God. And he doesn't want that. And it breaks my heart as a pastor because I've seen it so many times and I'm excited when people get saved. I'm excited when they start doing right. But at the same time, I really pray for them because I'm thinking it's going to be a rough road. It's going to be a rough road. They can do it. God's going to be there with them. But it's not going to be easy. And I can't face those battles for them. But one thing I can do is I can warn people about it. I can try to prepare them. I can be that watchman. He's on the wall. He sees that army coming maybe from miles away. And if he sees it coming... It doesn't mean the battle's going to be easy, but at least it means that he can give the people time to be prepared. And I tell you, I see that every time somebody gets saved, every time I see people start giving up sins in their lives and start living for God, I can just see it coming spiritually. You can just see the enemy coming. And you know what? I want to warn people. That's what Paul did. Boy, Paul took it so serious, it would literally bring him to tears. While I was telling these people, I don't know, because maybe they're just looking at him thinking, you know, are you sure? You know, how do you know that's going to happen? I, I feel like things are going to be great. And Paul knew. Hey, the devil's not going to take this lion down. He's going to come after you with all he's got, and it's not going to be easy. And he, but he warned them. And that's, sometimes that's all we can do. So we can't, we can't fight other people's battles for them. But we can warn them. We can pray for them. We can try to be there for them. We've got to do that. The next thing Paul did in verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He commended them to God. Paul prayed for these people. He loved these people and he prayed for them. As watchmen, we need to do that. We need to pray. As a pastor, I need to pray for the people in my church. As church members, you need to pray for me. You need, uh, you need to pray for the other church members. You, we need to pray for each other. We need to be asking God on their behalf, Lord, Lord, you need to be there for them. Lord, you need to protect them. Lord, you need, I mean, in any way you can, Lord, use me to be, uh, to help these people during these difficult times. We've got a lot of new Christians around here, and I thank God for that. I, I mean, I'm thrilled to death about that, and they're gonna need some older, mature Christians—they're going to be praying for them. They're going to be comforting them. They're going to uh, hold their hands when they when they need that when they need that help. Praying for other people. Paul did that, and I tell you, it's many times it's like we just we kind of get in our own little world in our own little bubble, and if everything's okay there, then everything's okay. Boy, that's not what it's all about in church. I tell you, I mean, uh, I think about. You know, I, I pray. I pray for this whole town. I pray for the other churches in this town. Many churches that are struggling, and uh, you know, a lot of people that are wanting to give up. You know, one thing that's sad, every, you know, whenever a church closes down, you know, a lot of times it's like some churches get excited because well, great, that's maybe all those people will come. Some of them will start coming to my church. It will help my church grow. But here's the problem: if you have a church of a hundred people that closes down, our church might grow. Let's say 20. Well, that's exciting for us. But the problem is, chances are, half of those people aren't going to go to church anymore. Now there's, you know, only 50 of them are going to church, 50 less people than there were before. And that happens all the time. Just, it's, I mean, it, you know, we cannot build through division. We're not going to increase our numbers through division and through subtraction. It's got to be through addition, through multiplication. We need to be seeing more people saved and bring them into our church. We need to be starting more churches. That's what it's all about. But it's going to take a lot of prayer, especially in this day and age. Then the fourth thing that we need to do, we need to give unconditionally. Verse 33, it says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We talked about that last week. And when He had thus spoken, He kneeled down and prayed with them all. He said, folks, you know that I didn't come here. He's like, I wasn't here to get anything from all of you. He's like, "I, I took care of myself while I was here. He says, but I, he's like, I showed. He's like, I showed you. I set, I set an example how we need to support the weak. How we need to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We need to, uh, we need to be willing to give, and not not just physical things. Sometimes we just what we need to give people is some time. We need to give. We need to give them time. We need to be a friend to them. We need to talk to them. We need to take the time to maybe, you know, just go over and make, make a visit. Go, have somebody over for dinner. That's one thing that's, we don't have a whole lot of that in our culture anymore. You know, inviting people over to our houses for a meal. It's a good thing to do. It's, uh, it's, it's encouraging to other people. I mean, just family sitting down and talking and fellowshipping, having a good time. It's a great thing. Just, I mean, doing that for somebody can be huge to feel like that hey somebody cares about me, especially in the church. I mean, you know, it's one thing if the pastor does it. Everybody expects the pastor to be nice and to think about other people. But what if somebody else in the church is doing it? All the other members, say, hey, you, know, you come over to my house this Sunday. That means a lot to people. It's like hey, I have friends here. You know, you'd be surprised how many people these days are really basically alone in this world that don't have. Uh, you know close friends you know they get maybe they have some family members they're not even that close to but I mean just good friendship is huge I tell you, we are, we we've we need to do that for people it can it can help them in so many ways so you know I, hopefully you want to be a blessing to other people you know you may be uh a, a wise person you may you know have the answers for things but you know what if somebody's going to listen to you, they're going to be more likely to listen to you if you've done something for them. If in some way you've showed them that you care about them. I mean, I, I, I dare you. I don't. Don't do this. But in a way, I dare you. You, know, you hear your neighbors fighting sometime? Husband and wife are having a good knockdown drag out? Go down, over there and knock on the door. Folks, I'd like to help you out right now. I'm going to give you all some free advice. You need to follow what the Bible says. man. you need to submit yourself into your husband. Husband, you need to love your wife. It's Christ loved the church. You're going to get thrown out of there fast. <laughs> you, I mean, you try that sometime. It's not going to go over real well. But you know what? Maybe if you've done something else for them before. Maybe you've been a friend of them. Maybe you've had them over for dinner. You've taken the time to get to know them. You've helped them with different things. Maybe you helped them on a project. That he had, or he's helped you. With pride. I mean, you've done things for each other, and they're going through a difficult time. And then maybe you know, it's like, hey, you know, would you be? Well, let me show you some verses in the Bible. You, know, they might listen to you after that if you've done something for them. And one of the reasons I think we're not able to warn people these days like we need to is we're just we're so distant from everybody. We don't give people. Uh, we don't give people that kind of attention, uh, and that get, and that giving that they need. I'll tell you, my neighbor that we had when we lived in LaSalle, they're, were, they're were nice folks. They weren't saved by any stretch of the imagination. You know, whenever you move to a new house, you're always kind of a little concerned, alright, who's my neighbor's gonna be? And, not, I mean, one of the, uh, first thing, really, the first thing I did, that guy was outside one day, I started talking to him, was just nice to him. And, man, he was so excited about us being his neighbors. And I uh, uh, found out he was talking to some people that I knew. He knew somebody that I knew, and he was just going on about how great the neighbors were. And all I really did was talk to him. Well, it turned out my wife, I guess, had talked to his wife. Well, I guess, found out, you know, one of the reasons he thought we were so great, the last neighbor wasn't like that. Really wouldn't have anything to do with them. Didn't really want to talk to my wife one time. She made a strawberry apple pie, and they're really good. I was like, you know, let's make one for the neighbors. You know, let's, let's just do something nice for them. And, she, and they thought, I mean, they were blown away by that. Not a big deal. But you know what, that guy, he had, uh, I, we had a wood burning furnace in that house. I cut a lot of firewood. That guy, he had a log splitter. And that guy, he would let me use anything he had. I mean, he offered us everything. He offered, I mean, they had a swimming pool there. He told our kids, we could take the kids over there we want. And I mean, he just, they they pretty much offered everything except for us to live in that house. That's how he was. Yeah. And all I really did was was friendly to him. Talk to My wife made him a pie. And it went a long way. We've got to get back to doing that kind of stuff for people. You know, we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to let our light shine. We're trying to warn people. And you know what? If I I could have just went out there and tried blowing a trumpet, getting his attention, <laughs> and just preaching at him, you know, he's not going to listen. He'd think you're a nut. Leave me alone. But you know, whenever you're friends with somebody first, that's going to give you that opportunity to help them and, and to warn them, give unconditionally. And then finally, the last thing we see here is we need to leave a good testimony. In verse 24, Paul said, "...but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel, the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more." Paul, he's getting ready to leave these folks. Or he has left these folks. And he, but notice how he said, "I don't even I don't count my life dear." Paul wasn't saying that I hate my life; I would just like for it to end. What Paul was what Paul was saying there is that my my own life to me is nothing special; it's nothing important. Basically, what he was saying is you are far more important than my own life. That's why Paul was willing to go and preach the gospel places where they were threatening his life where they would try to kill him. There was one place where he was taken and he was left for dead. Some believe that he may have actually died, but God resurrected him. And you know what he did? He went right back and preached at that place. Paul wasn't thinking about how he could save his own hide. Paul was thinking about what he could do for other people. He wanted to have that good testimony and he had the kind of testimony that people wanted to leave him. And that's what we've got to have if we if we're going to be good watchmen. We've got to have a good testimony. We need to make sure we have a uh, we need to have an honest testimony. Say, don't be lying to your neighbors. Don't be cheating other people. Uh, you know, other maybe in your in your business that you have, ripping other people off. Because if you're dishonest in that area and you try to tell them, give them the gospel, why should I listen to them in that area? That guy's a liar. How do I know he's not lying to me about that? We've got to have a good testimony. Hey, we we you to tell people that we're Christian, that we follow after God, that we that we believe in the Word of God, but we're not living it. They hear us yelling at our wives all the time. They hear they hear us using foul language. They see us doing things that Christians shouldn't be doing. Say your neighbor, you know, especially you. Got, I've had some nosy neighbors before. It's like they're always watching you. They know everything about everybody. It's just. That's the way it is, especially in small towns and things. But we've got to make sure we have that good testimony or nobody's going to listen to us. They're not, going to, they're not going to pay attention. We need to make sure that we're successful in what we do. That's why it's important that we raise good kids. Because, listen, this Bible has the answers when it comes to child rearing. The world doesn't. The world is dead wrong on what they are promoting and what they are saying. And to me, it is very clear who's right. I mean, you see the way things are going in this world. You see the stuff that's going on in in the schools today and things. I mean it's clearly they're going the wrong way. But you know the problem is? A lot of Christians aren't doing it a whole lot different. And I mean when I went to when I went to the detention home and had that ministry there, I remember one time there was a preacher's kid in the detention home. His mother was the pastor of a church. That might have been part of the problem there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure that got out in that church. I'm sure people knew about that. You know, that mom was... <laughs> it's weird for me thinking of a woman preaching, but can you imagine if she, while he was in detention she's up there preaching on how to raise your children? You think anybody's going to listen to her? Wait a minute, isn't, isn't your son in jail right now? What, why are you telling me how to raise my kid? And if she's preaching the Bible, <laughs> if she's preaching the Bible, it's still the Bible, no matter who's preaching it, but people aren't going to listen. And when we fail to set that good example and to have that good testimony, we're not very effective as a watchman. That's why we need to make sure that we're right in what we say. Listen, that's why you know we're preaching about the end times right now. But I don't know if you noticed, I haven't set any dates. Okay, one the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour, but also because if I'm all te- if I'm telling all of you, Lord's got to come by 2013, before 2013. I mean, He's got to come this year, and then He doesn't come. I've just discredited myself. I, hey, I've I've been blowing the trumpet, but nothing was coming. If that watchman, if he's every night, he's blowing the trumpet all. False alarm. I just saw a coyote or something. I, I thought it was people. Uh, you know, I, it, if he's doing that all the time, and then all of a sudden the enemy really is coming and he blows the trumpet, ah, uh, so and so's on the wall tonight. We don't need to pay attention to that. So I mean to make sure we're right on what we tell people that we're accurate. If we're making a big deal about something, make sure you're right. That's why I, so I'm, you know, hey, I see what's going on in Israel right now. I get excited. Oh, man. Yeah. What if this is, you know, leading up to something? I don't. I'm going to be careful. I don't want to discredit myself just because I want it to happen. No, I do, man. I, I hope they, I hope they miss and hit the dome of a rock. I hope that happens. <laughs> I, I would be thrilled, but I, I got to be careful. I don't. Want, I'm not going to go saying something. If I do say something, it better be true. It better be accurate because I need people not to listen to me. Talk about this morning. But they need to listen to the Word of God. And if I'm saying the wrong thing, then I have failed in my responsibility as a watchman. I need to be right. It's a very important position. You know, I don't know, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but you know, we think about stories like the, of the Titanic. You know, there was a guy who they would sit up in those towers and they'd watch for icebergs and things. And I don't know whose job that was, but uh, and I don't know if he survived that shipwreck, but I, I imagine it probably made him feel pretty bad. Probably wasn't his fault. I know it was foggy out that night, but imagine if that was your responsibility. You're the one that's supposed to see that before anybody else, and you you missed it. What if he had fallen asleep? You know, what if, I think a lot of Christians have fallen asleep right now. That's why that's why a lot of churches today are are pretty much empty and nothing's really going on. It's people have just fallen asleep, and one of these days the trumpet's going to sound. The last Trump, we're going to be caught at the heaven. It's going to be too late to tell people after that. You know, they should have seen it coming. We see the things that are going on in the world today, and you know what? I don't, I don't believe you know, personally that I think the next sign is going to be the rapture. But at the same time, a lot of these things we are seeing, I believe, are reminders. They're reminders that hey, the Lord could come anytime. It's ready. The world's ready. For his coming. The world's, unfortunately, I think it's ready for the Antichrist. I think we're ready for him. I don't think it's too much of a stretch from where we're at now. It, it could be coming. And the, all these things that we're seeing happen ought to be causing us as Christians to wake up and say, hey, folks, war could be coming anytime. This stuff that's going on. I know Israel's been fighting for years, stuff's been going on. But hey, that's a reminder. The one of the, look, the world's always going to be going after Israel. And there, until finally that battle of Armageddon comes, the final battle against Israel, that Jesus is going to win. That's coming. It could be any time. And we've got to make sure that we do our part. As a church, we want to do our part. As an individual, we want to do our part. You know what? We might not win the whole town of Rock Falls. We might not win. The whole area we might not ever even fill up this church but one thing I want to make sure that we do is we do our part to be blowing the trumpet that we warn the people that we do all these things that Paul talked about and listen i believe I believe if we do these things I think we'll see I think many will listen I think there's a lot of folks out there that they're they're ready to listen they're ready to do something i I think a lot of people are maybe a little burned out because they've been led astray so many times they've they've tried it several times and uh they've gone to the wrong places and listened to the wrong people but they are looking for something and if we will do all these things i believe we'll stand out i think we'll stick out like a sore thumb in this world and people will see something different and then we will be able to be effective watchmen so let's all stand together heads bowed. nice